Good evening and welcome back to Remaining in Christ is What? As we explore who we are in Christ. And this is lesson six that we have tonight. So as we get ready to jump into this one, um, this is a, a really fun one. I like this lesson. Um, what God put upon my heart to share with you all on who we are in Christ. This one, this one is really interesting because for one, it's going to take in a little bit of ancient culture to understand it. The, type, the, the title of tonight's lesson, we are ambassadors for a king. So who am I in Christ? I'm an ambassador for a king. And with that, let's open in prayer. Father, again, we come before you and we ask that you would bless us, all who are listening, Lord, those who are studying this. And, and we just ask that your, your spirit teach us, not just head knowledge, but Lord, things that will definitely uh, be able to be assimilated into our lives and change us to be more and more as you would want us to be. So please watch over this lesson. Bless all who hear it. And Lord, teach us. Teach your children, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Late one night, a salesman drove into a strange city and he tried to get a room in a hotel. The clerk informed him that there was no vacancy. Disappointed, he started to leave the lobby when a dignified-looking gentleman offered to share his room with him. Gratefully, the traveler accepted his kindness. You can probably tell this is not something that happened last week. Nowadays, we don't do things like this, but this is how it was during this time period, which you will understand in a moment. Well, the two men went up, and just before retiring for the night, the man who had shown such hospitality knelt at his bed and prayed aloud. In his petition, he referred to the stranger by name and asked the Lord to bless him. Upon wakening the next morning, he told his guest that it was his habit to read the Bible and commune with God at the beginning of each day, and he asked if he would like to join him. The Holy Spirit had been speaking to the heart of this salesman, and when his host tactfully confronted him with the claims of Christ, he gladly received the Savior. As the two were ready to depart and go off on their own ways, they exchanged business cards. The new believer, the salesman, was amazed to read on the card, William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State. Yeah, the famous William Jennings Bryan. Mm -hmm. That's you, if you've studied American history, you know he is, was a very important person. You see, William Jennings Bryan was not only the Secretary of State under Woodrow Wilson, to give you the time frame of the story, but more importantly, he was an ambassador for Christ. Well, what exactly is an ambassador? In today's term, um, it's a political position. In the modern Webster's Dictionary, it's defined accordingly as, quote, an official envoy, especially a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic 
assignment, unquote. As I was researching definitions for ambassador, I came across this. It's an anonymous. I don't know who said this, but I found this in one of the readings I was doing. <laughs> I really like it. It says, an ambassador is a politician who did not get elected to an office but was given an office on condition that he or she leave the country. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Well, in Paul's time, the word ambassador, the term, the office of ambassador, had a different meaning. It was not, as it is today, a political position, but it meant that the person was a messenger on a special mission. Now, to understand this, we're going to go back, and what I love to do in this series and a lot of times when I teach, I like to get back into the ancient cultures. Because by studying the ancient culture, it really helps us to understand Scripture a little better. Because, after all, this was written in the New Testament 2,000 years ago to the Jews and, and to fellow Christians, Gentiles, and stuff throughout the Roman Empire. Um, the way that they lived their lives and, and how the governments and, and customs were at the time are so different. Um, Jesus, when he spoke and taught in the four Gospels, he's speaking to the Jews primarily. And, and the thing is, the, their Jewish culture was uh, something that they all understood because they lived it. But today we don't understand things as well. So to understand what this is, and I'm sure all of us have heard that we are ambassadors of a king, and we probably have all heard um, a, a sermon or a lesson on 2 Corinthians 5.20, which calls us an ambassador for Christ. There's even an organization, Ambassadors for Christ. But what did that mean back in Paul's time? Well, to do that, let's go back and look at a little history and of the culture also. The Roman world that Paul lived in was made up of two types of provinces. Yes, the Roman Empire had two types of provinces that all of the nations they conquered were put into. They were senatorial provinces, senatorial provinces. This was a province made up of people who had totally submitted to the Romans. Total submission to the Romans. Senatorial province. Now, these provinces were relatively peaceful with people obeying the Roman laws and they did not need ambassadors. No, there was not much need of them whatsoever. The other type of province, these were called imperial provinces. And they were made up of, mostly, uh, of people who were mostly hostile to Rome. These were provinces, if you study history, that were constantly providing headaches for Rome, and this is where ambassadors were used. They were used in these, in these hostile areas. Palestine, Israel, was one of these imperial provinces. Now, Paul is using this idea as he talks about this and in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, where he says we're ambassadors. He uses this um, to further his point uh, of being a messenger for God. And he specifically is, is talking about this, but like I say, the ambassador was a little different back then to what we have today. So Paul's using the idea to further his point of being a messenger. He's telling us to be a messenger for God. You see, God owns all the land. Everything is contained in it. He owns everything. This fallen world, which he owns, this fallen world is like an imperial province in the Roman Empire, a province in which the inhabitants are openly hostile 
to God. You go out into the world today, you will see that people are hostile to Christianity and to Judaism even. They're hostile to God. Thus, God sends messengers to these hostile people proclaiming his grace that he willingly imparts to those who submit to him. There you go. Let's look at this verse that Paul is using that I've mentioned a couple of times now in the book of 2 Corinthians and see what this is actually talking about. I'm going to read this out of a couple of different translations to help us understand this. Um, so what is he saying as we are an ambassador to God? That's our focus. So the verse again is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, first out of the English Standard Version, which is a word-for-word translation. So it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Pretty easy to understand. But to try to get more of the cultural aspect, I want to go to one of my favorite translations, the complete Jewish Bible. Yes, there is a translation called that. You can buy them today. Very, very good translation. Um, It's more of a thought in a way than a a word for word, but it's really interesting. Some of it's word for word. It's it's sort of a crossover between the two, but it's got the Jewish aspect to it. Um, In the same verse in the complete Jewish Bible reads, therefore, we are ambassadors of the Messiah. In effect, God is making his appeal through us. We What we do is appeal on behalf of the Messiah. Be reconciled to God. But let's take a look at another translation. Another one of my favorite translations that is a thought-for-thought instead of a word-for-word, a definite thought-for-thought translation to get the idea what's God really trying to tell us here instead of going word-by-word. And this is the God's Word translation. If you've never heard of this, I do encourage you to get hold of one of these. These these, uh, Bibles are really, really interesting for for thought-for-thought. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 out of the God's Word translation says this, Therefore, we are Christ's representatives, and through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Paul also, now he's writing this to the Corinthian church, he also writes to the Ephesian church, concluding on the well-known armor of God passage in chapter 6, that he again is an ambassador. He uses the same word again. And in Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20, I'm going to read this out of the English standard now, but you see that 2 Corinthians isn't the only place that Paul calls and calls us uh, and Christians ambassadors. It's not the only place. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, English Standard Version. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Yeah, it's just not 2 Corinthians, Ephesians 2. And in all things, it's in the very end of the paragraph of the armor of God. Fascinating. Well, what exactly is an ambassador? How does one become one? I looked this up on government websites to see what their criteria were. And basically, there are about, I'm just going to cut it down to like eight major criteria 
a person must meet to be an ambassador for a country today. And a lot of this I took right off the United States government's uh, ambassador um, criteria and its website. So here's the eight things. And then what we're going to do after I give you the list of eight, we're going to go back and look at each one of these in detail and see how this applies to us with what God is telling us, because it does. This is really interesting. And what a challenge for us. So first of all, number one, an ambassador must be a citizen of the nation he or she represents. You got to be a citizen. Number two, an ambassador must be commissioned. There's actually a ceremony that goes on with that. Number three, an ambassador represents the ruler and the people. The ruler and the people. But he's a representative. Number four, an ambassador has all his or her needs provided for. All their needs are provided for. Number five, an ambassador keeps in close touch with his headquarters and who sent him or her. An ambassador, number six, must always be ready to give an account of his actions or her actions and any statements that they make. Number seven, the ambassador is expected to follow and obey the laws of the one who sent them, even though they live in a foreign land with different customs and laws. And the eighth one, an ambassador is recalled shortly before a war is declared. Now, with those eight criteria, let's examine how Christians are indeed ambassadors for God. Number one was an ambassador must be a citizen of the nation he or she represents. This is our faith lesson here. Christians are adopted into the kingdom of God. We're not born into it, but we are adopted and we are given full citizenship into God's kingdom. Ephesians 2, 19, English Standard Version again. So then you are no longer saints. I'm sorry. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're adopted into the kingdom of God, just like an ambassador is representative of the nation they come from. Number two, I said, was an ambassador must be commissioned. Well, folks, Christians are commissioned. We are all commissioned by Jesus himself. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, English Standard Version again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There you go, the Great Commission. We're all commissioned. Number three was an ambassador represents the ruler and the people. Now, ambassadors are individuals sent from their ruler to represent them with messages. You see the spiritual implication here? Paul writes to the Corinthian church concerning Titus and other Christians as being representatives of the church of God, the kingdom that Christ is the head of. 2 Corinthians 8.23, out of the Net Bible, which is a thought-for-thought translation. 2 Corinthians 8.23 reads, If there is any question about our brothers, they are messengers of the church, a glory to Christ. Yes, we are messengers. Number four, an ambassador has all his or her needs provided for. Now, this one is fascinating to me. 
You see, an ambassador is paid when he's on duty, um, performing his commission. He is paid and he is supplied all the items necessary for his or her existence in that foreign land where they're serving. Do you get this one? This one's so obvious. God has promised us the same exact thing. Philippians 4.19, English Standard Version. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Wow. This was the verse here that actually broke me from teaching in the public school to come and serve on the mission field. As an ambassador for Christ, I was in the public school system. Now he brought me here to Fort Wilderness. And when he called me, the day I really got his call uh, was back in 97. I was camping here at Fort Wilderness, um, tent camping over by Spider Lake there, right by the, close to the fish shanty, right above it. And I felt God's call so strong. And I went out to the flagpole and I sat at the flagpole that night from about 11 o'clock to almost 3 o'clock in the morning, praying and talking to God, saying, you got the wrong guy. And every argument I would make to him, he kept giving me a verse. Immediately would pop up in my head. But the one thing I had was, God, I, I remember saying this. I can't go out and ask people for money. I can't go out. I'd have to sell my house. I'd have to buy land here. I'd have to, to get people to support me as a missionary. God, I just can't do that. I don't know how I can even go about doing that. And immediately, I mean immediately, this happened all night long. Philippians 4.19 came up. He says, I will supply every need of yours. And he has. That was the last. That was the last straw at that point when we came to that one. And that verse came up. I finally said, okay, God, you want me to leave the school I'm teaching at, which I absolutely loved that job, and come here, I'll do it. That's how it was with me. Fifth. The fifth one was, I I said, an ambassador keeps in close touch with his headquarters and with him who sent him or her. The spiritual implication here, ambassadors must remain in close contact with their ruler is true. They must know the thoughts and the wishes on all issues that the ruler has. You understand it? They've got to know when an issue comes up, an event comes up or whatever, something has happened. The ambassador has to know the opinions and the thoughts of the ruler back in their own kingdom. To know what the ruler thinks, the only way you can do that is to keep communications open. You have to communicate back and forth. As an ambassador, you've got to listen to that ruler, and then you're going to talk to that ruler. And it goes back and forth like that. In a way, they're abiding with them constantly, even though they're separated, but through communications, they're abiding constantly through listening and talking to each other. Christians, we do the same thing. John 15, 4 and 5, which is part of our theme of this summer here at Fort. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We as Christians have to abide with Christ. Meaning, we listen to him, we talk to him. 
We do what he wants. We're his representative. God commands it. Notice, abide in me, as that starts off, John 15, 4. That's not an option for Christians. It's a command, a command from our ruler. We are to abide. Number six, an ambassador must always be ready to give an account of his or hers actions and statements. Well, this is pretty easy, too. As Christians, we live our lives for Christ. At least we're supposed to. Christ lives in us. That's a fact. To this matter, we are, so, uh, we are called to walk closely with God, knowing that He is ever with us. Because our lives are so intertwined with the Holy Spirit actually indwelling us, we need to be able to explain how we act and what we say to people. Remember, listen carefully. Remember, he is always there and watching. But here's the important part. Too many people today view that, Christians I'm talking about here, they sort of view that as a curse. Folks, that is not a curse. That he is always with you and watching is a blessing, not a curse. If it's a curse to you, maybe you should examine your relationship with Christ. Number seven. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't give you a verse on that, did I? Um, as he's always watching, and we know in Romans 14, 12, again, I'm going to go out of the good, uh, God's Word translation, thought for thought translation. All of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. Yep, ambassadors got to be ready to give an account. We too have to give an account. Sorry about that. Let's go to seven. An ambassador is expected to follow and obey the laws of the one who sent them, even though they live in a foreign land. Christians, we live in a foreign land alien world that is extremely hostile to God. We are tempted and sometimes we are ambushed by Satan. But we must remember that we are to remain in Christ. We must abide in him. So even though we are aliens here, we must remember that we do not belong here. 1 John chapter 2, verse uh, 15 through 17, English Standard Version again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Mm -hmm. This takes us to the, uh, the last one, the eighth one. An ambassador is recalled shortly before a war is declared. There is a war going on. It's a spiritual war between God and Satan. Though it is a war, the outcome is absolute certain. Satan loses. Hey, I looked at the last chapter in the Bible. He loses. I have a tendency, I don't know why I do this, but I have a tendency when I go to Barnes and Nobles and stuff to pick up books. I love going there. You can pick up books and, and read them without having to pay for them. And they allow, they even put chairs and stuff out for you. It's amazing. But um, I... I have a tendency, I know this is sort of strange, but I have a tendency sometimes, I'll pick up a book and I'll read the first chapter and then I read the last chapter. Many times even when I buy books, I do this. I read the first chapter, I read the last chapter. I don't know why I do that, but it does, well, actually I do know why. Because if it's intriguing to me then, after those two experiences, then I'll go ahead and read the book. If it seems like, eh, well, I've already figured this one out, I don't, I'll pass it over. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little strange like that. Um, yeah, Satan's going to lose. Check the back of the Bible. He loses. 
He wins sort of at the beginning. Get to chapter 3 of Genesis, he has a major victory, but he loses. Mm-hmm. And he and his followers will be brought down and defeated by an almighty God. That's fact. But God declared that we Christians will be recalled before the very end. We will be recalled. That's the theological study of eschatology and times. To that, let's go to the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. And I want to show you something fascinating about this. This is talking about the end times here and how God's going to pull us out. He's going to take his ambassadors out of this. But look at this. The disciples, to set the scene, the disciples had just sat down and asked Jesus, they're sitting on a Mount of Olives, asking him, when is the end times? What's, what's going to happen? What's the end times? And, and Jesus goes into what's called the Olivet Discourse, what we call that. And he goes through describing all of these details in, um, that are going to happen and how they're going to take place and stuff. And he's talking about all these different signs that are coming, wars and earthquakes. And stuff. Well, anyway, you get to verse 29, and he says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's an encouraging passage. Ambassadors get recalled. Yes, the similarities of Christians to ambassadors is quite striking and interesting, actually. While God allows us to serve here, we must fulfill the great commission given to us to spread the gospel to all nations. In doing so, we represent the kingdom of God. So let us not grow faint doing what he has called us to do. Who am I in Christ? I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite commentaries um, is the Warren Wearsby commentary of the Bible. And in this, he writes a story. Warren Wearsby was a good storyteller. Many times he puts a lot of stories in his commentary sets. And he writes in his commentary a very sad story when I read this. Very sad the true story of a Chinese Christian asking the great missionary Hudson Taylor a question. That man asked, how long have you had the glad tidings in England? Pause here for a second. What he's asking, how long has England been a Christian nation? Has Christianity been there? Somewhat embarrassed, Taylor responded that England had been a Christian nation for several hundred years. To which the man exclaimed, What? Several hundred years? Is it possible that you have known about Jesus so long and have only now come to tell us? My father sought the truth for more than 20 
years, and he died without finding him. Oh, why did you not come sooner? Let me ask you, how would you have answered that question? Father God, we thank you for this passage, these passages we've looked at, your word and how it speaks and teaches us so much. Lord, I pray that you help us all to examine our lives and to do this frequently, to see how well of an ambassador we are for you. Continue to teach us as we leave now and even as we lay down tonight. May your spirit bring some of these passages back to mind and help us to meditate upon them as we sleep, Lord. But not just to meditate, but to examine and to assimilate this information into our spiritual walk with you. And I pray for all of the summer staff and anyone else who's listening who comes in contact with campers or Christians or neighbors or just even strangers at stores, wherever, that, Lord, help us always remember we are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Use us as messengers. In Jesus' name, amen.